Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, I just want to say, Dan says hi to everybody. He's actually over in Nine Mile Falls by Spokane. He's at Wayne Ferris's church. Who remembers Wayne? Yeah. He's over at Wayne and Cindy's church. They planted a couple years ago, and so he's over there. Uh, Well, really, I think he's over there to just, like, hang out with Wayne and get some Wayne time, but he's also bringing the word at their church. So we can be praying for them. They're probably in service right now. So, Lord, would you just be at Journey Church this morning? Would your spirit just move in a mighty way? Lord, would you anoint Dan's words as he brings forth uh, the message that you've laid on his heart? And, Lord, would people not leave the same as they came in? In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, so you get me this morning. Um, Joe, is Joe Henderson here? Yes, Joe is my, he is my cheer squad because he knows what's coming. What's coming, Joe? It's dad joke time. I'm, I'm sorry or I'm not sorry, depending on which side you land on. But, um, okay. I found a new, uh, I found a new, uh, what do you call it? Like a new person to follow on Instagram that's like just dad jokes. And I could not be happier because I was kind of running out of the ones on the internet. These are fresh. These are fresh right off the Insta. Okay, there's a new game started at my local sports club. It's called Silent Tennis. Anybody heard of it? Silent Tennis? So it's like tennis, but it's without all the racket. Silent Tennis. Uh, I have a contact lens problem. I have a contact lens problem, but I have no contact lens solution. No contact solution. You know, what's funny is I can't believe I forgot to go to the gym today. That is like five years in a row now. (laughs) Can't seem to get there. This one was hilarious. Uh, The rest of them are funny, but I love this. Why would it kill the makers of avocados to put a different toy inside? Because I already have like 50 wood balls. (laughs) And then the last one. What's it called when you kill chicken? No, I'm going to start over. What's it called when you kill chickpeas? It's called homicide. 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 Thank you. Do you know, there was a lot of big things that I loved about Egypt. Do you know what was kind of sad and disappointing about Egypt? The lack of hummus. I know. I assumed it was all in the same area, Israel, Jordan, Egypt, And there was like, I don't know, they liked tabbouleh. So there was a lot of eggplant, but not hummus. And that made me sad. But I got over it real fast because I was in Egypt. So I don't feel too bad for me. Um, Okay, so last week, how many of you were here? Oh, you guys, I didn't get to be here because I was at work. But I watched a lot of the message online in real time. And I had so much FOMO for not being here. In case you don't know what, that's not a disease. It's fear of missing out in context. Um, But what a service, right? Those of you that were here, what a service. The Lord moved and you guys worshipped. And I don't think I saw anybody standing like this this morning. At least if you were, I didn't see you. So, But Dan, Pastor Dan encouraged us, you know, to worship with body, soul, spirit, body, you know, raising your hands, being open. And so what an amazing way to wrap up the This Is Us series. And so today what that means is we are starting a new series. And the name of this series is called Jesus Said. 
So we're going to be doing this series leading up to Easter because um, Jesus said a lot of things. So to narrow it down, I'm sure, well, I didn't have to do that. So I'm going to say it was easy. Um, But you know what would also be a really fun series? What Jesus didn't say, (laughs) right? Like there's a lot of things people say Jesus said that he didn't say. He did not say that. He did not say cleanliness is next to godliness, people. That is not in the Bible. And if you didn't know that before you came in today, you know today. That is not something Jesus said. So let's get the series kicked off today. We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. It's from a little message that Jesus gave that one time that we've coined as the Sermon on the Mount. Anybody heard of it? Anybody watching The Chosen right now? I think that's like the culmination of this series is the Sermon on the Mount. But let's go ahead and uh, I'll read it. You guys can follow along. And let's just say that Jesus said, you are the light. You, sorry, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And I've titled today's message, You Are, So Be. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that we get to have a sermon series called Jesus Said. Um, Lord, as Braden prayed in our pre-service prayer this morning, there are so many things that we hear, that people say, that the enemy says. There's so many things speaking into the world, Lord, and into our lives. But what do you say? And so, Lord, this morning, would you just open our hearts to hear what you're saying to us this morning? Lord, and it may even be different than what comes out of my mouth, but Holy Spirit, would you take what is set forth and work it into something really special and unique to each and every one that is here this morning, Lord. Let it go deep in their hearts that you said. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have a whole pharmacy up here with me this morning. Is anybody else struggling with like the allergy stuff? Everything is awake right now, and I think it's still supposed to be asleep. And so I think our bodies just don't even know what to do. But I'm not complaining, but maybe a little bit. Okay, so Salt and Light, Tim Mackey and John Collins from the Bible Project uh, just released a podcast Monday this week on the same subject, and I say that is excellent timing. (laughs) Very excited about that. Anybody familiar with the Bible Project? Anybody? Yes. So if you're not, the Bible Project, it's a conversational podcast. So it's uh, conversations between uh, Bible scholars. That helps you get more into key themes and characters and stories in the Bible. Um, It's a podcast, but it's also an app. And on the app, they have classes available, and they also have creative mediums. We watch a lot of their videos when we're maybe starting a new um, book of the Bible or we're trying to kind of unpack a key theme through the Bible. We'll watch their videos. But they have helped me understand so much more of the Bible and context. And so they did a bit of a deep dive into the question of what in the world did Jesus really mean when he said, you are the salt of the earth. And then he followed that with, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Um, and we want to understand that because don't you know it'd be a lot easier to just like make it what you want it to be, right? But the important thing about scripture is that you really have to understand what it is that they're trying to say, and then you can pull application out of that. So I'm going to lean pretty close into their thoughts for the next few minutes, and I would love for us to just get a basic understanding of what they presented, and they have pulled a lot of information, teaching, and wisdom from Bible scholars and theologians, Um, but then I'm going to give us some really practical applications for what Jesus said. So first we need to understand that these two things— the salt of the earth and the light of the world, are, and even the city on the hill, they're not separate, random thoughts. They're actually ideas that run parallel to one another. They go together. Jesus wasn't just bouncing all over the place between random analogies so that the audience would be like, where is he going? He was talking about like being spicy, and then now he's talking about shining things. Like I don't know. No, he was actually being very intentional about these two things going together. And as he's teaching, he's describing who he imagines his followers are to the world and to other people. And so he begins with this idea of salt. Salt is very universal, and it has many, many purposes. So metaphorically, guess what? It can mean a lot of things. It can mean a lot. Tim and John stated that the research that they did, their theologians and scholars have come up with 11 suggestions for salt and the possibilities of what it could mean. And here, here are a few. Um, in the Bible, salt was added to the sacrifices. That was a requirement that when you brought a sacrifice to the Lord, you salted it. There's also a passage in the Bible where it says the salt of the covenant or a relational agreement in regards to Israel's covenant with God, it's symbolized with salt. It also is used for purification. It can symbolize something being pure, purified. It's also a condiment. It's an additive that we put on food to bring out flavor. It's a preservative. We don't use it as much for that nowadays because we have fridges and all sorts of and chemicals. <laughs> but salt is a preservative. It makes things last a really, really, really long time. And then also there is a saying in the Bible, which was probably just a cultural thing, that eating or sharing salt represented a relationship or friendship. So lots and lots of different meanings that you can kind of pull out there. But to figure out what Jesus was really getting at, to get to the center of this idea, it's important to look at the other two things he pairs it with here in the passage. So Jonathan Pennington, who is a Bible scholar, he connects the meaning of salt to the images of the light on the light of the world in the city on a hill. And he says, hey, there's a clear connection here. So let's talk about these two images first, the light of the world and the city on a hill. This one I thought was really interesting because I'm a word nerd. So I love when people talk about words and meanings and use things that I don't know. But they were saying there's a Hebrew kind of a pun that Jesus is working with here when he's talking. And in Isaiah, which we will read in a second, there's a word play in the word light. So in Hebrew, the word light, and I don't know how to spell it, but it's pronounced or. So or, which is awesome because that is still kind of in other languages. The word for light in Egypt, for example, is nur. N-O-O-R, nur. So the word for light in Hebrew is or. And then the word for instruction is Torah. 
Torah. So it's light is kind of embedded in instruction. And that, in regards to Torah, is like the instruction that is given to us. But then an instruction that goes out, which we would say is like teaching, well, that word is yora. So light is or, and it's also a part of an instruction that you receive and an instruction that goes out. So Isaiah is using this to make the point that God's light and therefore God's instruction shines out to the world to show the way to true life. Jesus uses this idea to make his point here in the Sermon on the Mount. So basically, light is a metaphor. It's a metaphor for wisdom or understanding. And isn't it funny that even to this day, we kind of still use the same metaphor, right? For example, here's a few. Uh, When you have an idea, what picture pops up above somebody's head? It's a light bulb, right? So there's light. And then also, when you have a really good idea, we call it a bright idea. If you want somebody to teach you something, what do you say to them? Enlighten me. Let's shed some light on that. And I saw the light. Like, I came to a place of understanding. So it's the same uh, metaphor, uh, even now in our culture, in our age. So, like I said before, Jesus is kind of referring to Isaiah. So let's see what he was alluding to and read those passages from that book. So if you go into Isaiah 2, and we're going to start with verse 1 and read a couple verses, it says, This is a vision that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Jerusalem. As we read, keep in mind those terms, light of the world and city on a hill, and see if you can kind of track with me here. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on the earth. It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. And there he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion, and his word will go out from Jerusalem. So what do you think is the city on the hill that Jesus is referencing? It's Jerusalem. If any of you have been to Jerusalem, you know that Jerusalem, the temple, sits up on a hill. It's a hill in the middle. And so when he's saying the mountain of the Lord's house, he's referring to that place right there. It's not big. We would not call it much of a hill. But that is the city on a hill that he was referring to. So he says the nations will go up and they will receive instruction. They are instructed. And then the nations will go out to instruct and to teach even more. And as we continue reading, when this happens, what will we see is going to happen as God's instruction goes out to the land? It says the Lord will mediate between nations and settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. So guess what? When, peop- when God's people take the light out, what is supposed to be the result? There comes peace in the land. And then you can see also that the energy and resources they were using to war at each other, well, they actually took those and they turned them into tools for peace and growth. They took their weapons and they formulated them into garden tools. Does that make sense? 
And then verse 5 says, Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let us walk in the light. God is shining his light on Israel, on Jerusalem, the city on the hill. And the light is meant to saturate them and guide their path. This is meant to represent the covenant that God made with them. And then they are to go live in the light, which is attached to the instruction of God going out. And so they're going to embody a whole new way of being human. We all know that the history of Israel in the Bible, that even though this was God's intention for them, his covenant with them, they consistently failed to walk in the light. And they weren't a source of peace to the nations. In fact, they were quite the opposite. They kept getting all wrapped up in and becoming a part of all of the turmoil that was going on around them. They had broken covenant. So if that's the case, then what hope is there in the world? Who will then be a source of light and life if Israel is not? Let's go to Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 1. It says, Look, this is God talking. Look at my servant, whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring justice to the nations. So who is the servant here? It's Jesus. That's right. It's Jesus. If you don't know the answer, it's almost always Jesus. So it's Jesus. And he's coming to bring mediation, and he's coming to bring justice to the nations. Israel had been called to walk in the light that God had shown on them in his instruction, but now Jesus was coming. And in verse 6 it says, I, the Lord, have called you, Jesus, to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you, and I will give you to my people Israel as a symbol of my covenant with them. And you will be a light to guide the nations. You will open the eyes of the blind. You will free the captives from prison, releasing those who sit in dark dungeons. God shining his light on his people was supposed to be the covenant that he established with them at the beginning at Mount Sinai when he said he would make them a priesthood, a holy nation. But now that covenant partnership is being embodied by Jesus as he walks on the earth. And in verse 6, it says, You will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will, what? Make you a light to the Gentiles. And you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Chapter 6, he says, Arise, Jerusalem. Let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you all nations will come to your light mighty kings will come to see your radiance so when they shine their light when they are walking again in the instruction and the covenant of the lord the nations are going to come so understanding that now we can kind of try and connect uh the dots of salt and light so let's start with that salt is a preservative it's what makes things last a really long time to endure it's a symbol here of God's long enduring covenant with Israel. Every sacrifice gets salted. Every sacrifice, it's a description of how long and enduring the Lord's covenant is. It's long lasting. Numbers 18:19 says it's an everlasting covenant of salt. It also refers to a covenant of salt 
um, when David makes a covenant as well. So covenant, if you can track with me for just a second, covenant is at the center of what Jesus is talking about right here. And all of the other meanings that we can add to this come from that place. And then Jonathan Pennington again says, hey, are there places with salt and light metaphorically that can overlap with one another? And the answer is yes, and it's with that idea of covenant. Salt is used to represent the permanence of a covenant, and light is used all throughout the Old Testament for God's covenantal light and revelation going forth into the world. Okay, everybody take a deep breath. Still with me? Okay, good. All right, so if we can just understand foundationally that at the center of these word pictures Jesus is using, there's the idea of covenant, and that because of our covenant relationship now, the new covenant, by the way, which now Jesus is inside us, we get to go be the covenant, we're a walking covenant, that we are now the salt of the earth, and we are the light of the world. But Jesus is also saying, hey, guess what? Yeah, you are the salt of the earth, but guess what? Be salt. You are the light of the world. And so, be light. Be light. Take that everlasting bright light of covenant and go forth into the world. And if we can just get where he was coming from, we can start adding in all sorts of fun applications to our lives from here. And so my takeaway for us today is you are, so be. And we're going to start with salt. Everybody knows this one. How do you be salt? What does it look like? Well, here's salt. This is salt. Anybody want to argue that? It's salt. Is it being salt? Not really. It's just salt. Just iodized salt. You need iodine so you don't get the whatever you get when you don't have iodine. <laughs> Um, So I love personally the idea of thinking about salt in terms of being a flavor enhancer, of making what's already on your plate amazing. Anybody else an over-salter? Yeah, my people, my people. My dad used to get so mad at me, you guys, when I was growing up because he, you know, you put a plate of food in front of me and right a second, I would grab the salt and just start putting it on my food. And he's like, you haven't even tasted it. I said, I don't need to taste it. It's going to be better if I put this salt on here. It's a flavor enhancer. Is anybody married to an oversalter? Does it drive you crazy? I think, you know what I think? I think we just like to live big, bold, over-the-top lives, and you guys are just living blandly. (laughs) Taste and see, the Lord says. Taste and see. Okay, um, does anybody salt every single tortilla chip you get at the Mexican restaurant? Anybody else? Every t- Steve, I knew we were friends. Here's why, here's why you salt every single chip. Okay, just a second. This is why you salt every single chip. Because if you salt just the basket of chips, what happens? The salt just rolls off the chips, and you just end up with a bucket of salt at the bottom. And there's no salt on your chips. So you have to keep salting them, and it's wasteful. It's wasteful. Okay, somebody reel me back in here. Okay. Um, oversalter is not a thing. I don't receive that. Okay. Um, wow, I got sidetracked there. 
Okay, point number one. Point number one. Guess what? You got to get out of the shaker. You got to get out of the shaker. Sometimes as Christians, we just really like hanging out in the shaker. We're comfortable here. We like it here. There's a lot of salt in here that we get to be with. Did you notice that when I read the passage about salt and light, I did the thing that you're never supposed to do when you take a passage of scripture. I didn't read the passage of scripture before it, right? Context. Always read what's before and always read what comes after. So did you realize in the verses prior, Jesus is giving them this list of all these beautiful character traits and ways of living that his followers should walk out. So we'll read through it real quick. Sermon on the Mount, beginning. Chapter 5, verse 1. One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside, sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. You're you're all going to know that. The Beatitudes. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. So that is a very beautiful picture of what we should look like and how we should live, right? But then he goes on to this, verses 10 and 11. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. What? That escalated quickly. And he begins to tell them, you know, how to respond to that persecution and mocking he says in verse 12 guess what be happy about it be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven and remember the ancient prophets hey guess what they were treated the same way you guys you're not the only one so we want to end the thought right here because it's the end of the chapter period but jesus didn't teach in chapters And our verses today, what we read earlier, are actually a continuation of this thought. So as much as our response as humans is to withdraw from this persecution that Jesus is talking about. When things get tough, we want to pull in. We want to run away. We want to huddle together, us four no more, when things get scary and hard. But what is Jesus saying? Jesus saying, no. It's going to happen, you guys. But guess what? You all are. And that word you and you are the song, it's y'all, all y'all, all of you are to go out into the world and bring life and light. He's saying, don't stay in the shaker. And some of us are so proud because maybe, maybe we got out of the shaker. We, we get into the plate. We're like, look at us, but we're on the plate. Are we being salt on the plate? We just huddle together. No, it's this is safe, right? We're on the plate, but we're really still not being salt out of the shaker. But are you being salt?
You have to get on the food, people. You have to get on the food. You can't bring good. You can't make things better if you just stay over here where it's safe. You know what else is cool? Do you know there's a lot of different kinds of salt out there? Yeah. Here's just a few. Kosher salt, table salt, Florida salt, sea salt, Celtic sea salt, flake salt, pink salt, black salt, red salt, black lava salt, brining salt, and then all sorts of flavored salts. Truffle salt, anybody? Amazing. So there's so many varieties of salt. So my next point is this. Guess what? Bring your unique flavor with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. This is a great place for me to point you to Rich and Maggie Taylor's class that they are starting to teach tonight on the Romans 12 or motivational gifts. I thought I had to bring this up here with me because your description of your class, what does it say? Discovering and understanding your motivational gift, your unique flavor, will aid you in seeing how God has created you to shine his light and show his love to all of those around you. You can't make that up. We didn't even talk about that before today. Do you you know that God has very specifically and purposefully put you together with an intentional mix of gifts to help you walk out your purpose for your life here on earth? Do you know that? Do you know that? Okay, well, if you don't know that, go to Rich and Maggie's class tonight. How many weeks is it? And the next five weeks, go to the class. You're not supposed to look or taste like any other type of salt. If all salt was this salt, what a boring world that would be. There would be a serious lack of flavor out there. It was never meant to all taste the same. Never, ever. So learn how you are put together and then go be that. Variety is the spice of life, right? That's right. Bring your unique flavor with you wherever you go. So that's salt. So let's talk a minute about light. You are light, so what? Be light. Okay, Jesse gets an A. Everybody else, you're almost there. Be light. It's not a competition. It's not a competition. Um, So does anybody, this is a light. Does anybody want to say this is not a light? This This is a light. Is it being light? Not currently. What does it need to do for it to be light? I gotta turn it on. It's gotta shine. Now it's being light. So my practical application for this is shine your light. I know. It's deep. <laughs> shine your light. And I'm also gonna add a caveat to that. Shine your light appropriately. What's it supposed to look like when we shine our lights into the world? After Jesus said to let your light shine, he says this in verse 16. In the same way, let your good works shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. What are those good works supposed to look like? Well, it looks a lot like living in a way that follows the wisdom, the teaching, the Torah, the instruction from the Lord. And that, my friends, is intensely countercultural. 
It's upside down. It is a whole different way to be a human. And in the verses immediately following Jesus talking about salt and light, remember context, before and after, he gives us a lot of examples of what this is supposed to look like. You can go back and you can read all of those for yourselves, but it sounds a lot like, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version, loving God and loving others. Like living out what it says to do here in the Bible, in the scriptures. What does it say? It says, don't just be hearers of the word. What? Do what it says. Be. Let your good deeds shine out. By shining your light, you're going to bring illumination to the area around you. You're going to show those around you what it looks like to follow Jesus. Do you know what light is super good at? It's good at helping us navigate our surroundings, right? When we try to get around in the dark, we usually end up getting hurt. Anybody do this. I cannot be alone in this. Try to get up. You go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Sorry about talking about the bathroom. But you try to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, and you don't want to wake up. So we're just going to keep all the lights off and try and navigate our way to the bathroom in the dark. Now, we kind of should be familiar with our surroundings, how our house is laid out. But, you know, there's cats, there's dogs, there's kids leaving stuff everywhere. But... If you try and do that, there's a good chance you're going to get hurt. You're going to stub your toe, jam your shoulder into the frame of the door, anybody else. It's painful. It's painful. Thank you. Yes. Think of what a lighthouse does. By shining its light, it's keeping you on course, and it helps show you the dangers in front of and all around you. It's the same with this flashlight here. Um, again, with the bathroom analogy, sorry. Any campers here? Yeah, do you try and get out of your tent again to go to the bathroom? It's the only time you should be out night in, anyway. Um, and if you don't have a flashlight and you're trying to find your way in the pitch black, you are going to get hurt. You're going to trip. You're going to fall. And that's probably territory you don't know what's actually. You don't, at your house, you kind of know. Out in the woods, you don't know the dangers that are out there. So you need the light to help you navigate. It's pretty risky. But you have it, so use it. And here's the thing. Here's where I wanted to make the point of letting your light shine appropriately. The Bible says in Psalms 119.105, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Where is that light directed? In front of you. So you can see where you're going. You can see where the dangers are. You can navigate your way. He's saying, your word, your instructions, your wisdom, help me navigate in the dark. They show me where to go. It's meant to show you where to put your feet, where to step, what to step over, what to step around, to help you navigate your surroundings so you can stay on course. And avoid danger. That's what we're supposed to do when we go out into the world. We're supposed to shine so people around us can see the right way to walk. Jesus said, let your light shine before men. That is the appropriate way. But some of us, can any of you think of how you might shine your light inappropriately? Has anyone ever seen a group of children with flashlights? Any idea how maybe it gets used inappropriately? Yeah? What is it that they do? They take their light and they do this. 
Ah, they shine it in your eyes. And they think it's funny. That is not what we're supposed to do. Some of us, we kind of like that. We like going around, wisdom, rebuke, instruction. We weaponize the word of God. What's going to happen when you attack people with your light and you shine it in their eyes? It hurts. They recoil. They put up a defensive posture. And the worst thing about it is they're now blinded for a while. They can't see. They can't see what's in front of them. They can't see what's around them. They're certainly not going to see the right way to walk. So Jesus says, shine your light before them, not at them. It's not what he said. That's going to be in that sermon series. Jesus didn't say. So as we wrap up here, you are the salt, so be the salt. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. You are the salt, so be the salt. Bring your unique flavor with you. Get out of the shaker. Can we get out of the shaker? We like to come to church on Sundays, which is kind of a shaker. But now we got to go out. we got to get on the plate. we got to bring our unique flavor. We have to enhance the world around us. We need to make it better. We need to make it better. Where are you at today? Is this you? Do you need to get out of the shaker? Do you need to just get out into the world a little bit and... Do you need to understand more about what that special flavor is that you are and how to be that? Or maybe you just need to turn your light on and start showing people what it looks like to follow Jesus. Maybe you need to look down at your own path and make sure you're following in the light and you're following the word of God and you're navigating your surroundings well. What is it that the Lord might be showing you this morning? You know, we said Jesus said, and I prayed, Lord, Jesus, say something to each of us this morning. So I bet you he's saying something to you. So if we could just take a minute, and we're just going to be quiet before the Lord. Holy Spirit, would you just speak to us? Would you show us one thing that we can take home with us as we leave today? We don't want to just come and hear some funny jokes and talk about salt and then leave and not be any different or do anything, or not be when we leave here. So let's just take a minute, and the Holy Spirit, just speak to us. You know, this message this morning was really...
kind of pointed at believers, those of us that have a relationship with Jesus. If there's anybody in here this morning that doesn't know the Lord and you're kind of tired of trying to navigate in the dark, getting hurt, tripping, falling, stumbling, running into things, and you're ready to have that relationship with the Lord, to be led by the word of God, to understand what it means to walk in righteousness and to be free, if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes, do you just pray this with me? Jesus, I'm tired of trying to navigate on my own, and I realize that I need you. I need you to come and rescue me. I need you to come and be who I can't be, Lord. I believe you died on the cross. I believe that you came for me. I believe that you came to rescue sinners. And Lord, that's me. I confess that. And so, Lord, would you just come into my life? Would you transform my heart? Lord, would you give me a new heart and put your spirit in me, Lord, so that I can walk in the way of life? Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Everybody said amen. All 